Welcome to Cyberspin, the podcast that brings you expert insights to today's hot topics in cybersecurity, privacy, and compliance for highly regulated industries. Subscribe to Cyberspin on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. Welcome to Cyberspin. I'm your host, Lauren Frickle. Today in this episode, our guests are going to address questions related to CMMC 2.0's impact on small and medium defense contractors. These questions were asked during a webinar Prevail and Redspin held in November of 2021. For a little background, the DOD has issued a long-awaited statement regarding updates to its Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, CMMC program. This newly announced CMMC 2.0 has indicated changes. What do these changes mean for small and medium defense contractors? To help make sense of these developments, CMMC veterans Thomas Graham and Rob Teague teamed up with Prevail's VP of Product, Greg LaRoche, for an informational webinar to discuss how SMBs should prepare for 2.0, approaches for managing CUI, and how SMBs should get ready for DIBCAC and C3PAO audits. The webinar was a great success. However, the guys didn't get a chance to answer all of the great questions that came in, and that brings us to this episode. The webinar gang is back, and we're here to provide input and insight into these unanswered questions. With that, welcome to Cyberspin, guys. Greg, since you're new here, I'm passing the mic to you. Thanks, Lawrence. Uh, happy to be here today. My name is Greg LaRoche. I'm the VP of Products at Prevail. We provide a subscription-based cloud service that provides end-to-end encrypted secure messaging and end-to-end encrypted file sharing and cloud storage. And we do a lot of work with the defense industrial base, Uh, companies that need to protect their uh, controlled information. Thanks for joining us, Greg. Uh, As Lauren mentioned, I'm Dr. Thomas Graham uh, here at Redspin, where we actually kind of cover full CMMC services. We provide consulting as an RPO. Uh, We also are one of only five uh, authorized C3PO's, and in fact, we were the first, which means we're authorized to conduct official CMMC assessment. We are also an LTP which means we also have the ability to conduct training for anyone looking to get CMMC certified. Rob? Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm Rob Teague. I am the manager of CMMC services here at Redspin. I'm also a registered practitioner and provisional assessor for the team. As Lauren mentioned, uh, we had a webinar with Prevail on CMMC Summit, and um, there were so many questions we couldn't get to them all. So we thought, why not bring Greg on board and uh, see if we can't answer some of the questions we didn't get to. I'll just start it off. One of the questions is, is there or will there be some sort of guidance that shows some examples of how to meet each of the controls using off-the-shelf software, such as Microsoft Windows, Server, etc.? Basically, they're asking if there's an easy button. (laughs) Greg, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Thanks, Rob. Hey, this is a huge topic. Uh, There's a lot to say here, but I'll I'll try to be concise. There's a lot of different parties working on how do we make a compliance project repeatable or easier, especially for smaller businesses that don't have as deep resources on the compliance side, or they don't have full-time IT staff, for example, or any other constraints. And so um, there is going to be work done in the industry around guidance coming from the vendors that are that are going to, you know, I know that my company in particular, we offer documentation that's template oriented for people to get started. But again, you know, technology doesn't create the entire program. So uh, we understand there's going to be more to it than that. But also um, the, the industry itself has standards committees that are working on reference materials as well in the background. So you may 
uh, not have heard anything yet about that because it's still all under development. But uh, in the future, there are going to be resources that companies can take advantage of to speed up or at least get a foothold or start on a, a CMMC compliance program. You're absolutely correct, Greg. I think one of the key points that you mentioned in there is that it's not just as simple as as software in and of itself. You know, you're still going to have to do some configurations. You're still going to have to ensure that those software packages meet the requirements of CMMC. And unfortunately, no, there there is no easy button right now. I know when we went through our own uh, assessment from DIBCAC, we had those same questions. And currently, one of the items that we looked at was honestly the the DOD stigs that are available out there uh, looking to see you know some of the configuration settings that that they have available and comparing that to the CMMC requirement that seemed to help us get over the hump as far as having a, a warm and fuzzy if our technology components were going to be able to meet the requirement and believe me I wish there was an easy button but uh... We wouldn't be in this predicament if there was an easy button. And uh, there was another one that kind of was talking about the awards of the contract. So to clarify, does the first award you win have to bear all the costs of the stand-up? I'm taking that the stand-up is really all the money they spent in, in securing the enclave, et cetera, et cetera. And then what portion of the stand-up can you attribute to a specific project? So, Greg, I, I feel confident, you know, we're both kind of going to be on the same page with this. But the answer is, well, it, it depends. I mean, you as a, a business or an organization, do you have a single contract with the DOD or do you have multiple? And that's what really is going to be the, the delimiter in, in how you budget the CMMC requirements into your, your own overhead. Because, you know, to me... A CMMC charge really isn't any different other than the administrative costs you bake into a contract regarding, you know, hardware or other activities that are associated with, you know, running the business. What do you think, Greg? Yeah, that's right. I think the key the key term that we've heard in the industry is allowable costs, right? So the the DOD is considering these expenses allowable, which means they can be made part of your overhead and part of your uh, administrative uh, cost center. And so, yeah, so exactly that. As you would apply your cost base against any kind of project work you're doing as a company, whether that's a bunch of contracts or just one, you know, that, that would uh, that would apply, um, just, uh, just like you said. Yeah, and then you would have to figure out if it's multiple contracts, you know, how you're going to split that out. But the, I mean, the good part about that, though, is once you've baked in the cost, if in the future you go for additional contracts, as long as you're still under the same uh, assessment time frame, then you get the benefits of going after those contracts without having to go back through the assessment until, you know, your original assessment expires. Yep, which is three years. Good points. Here's a good one. <laughs> so uh, we did get a little bit of clarity on this, but I'll go ahead and ask it. How certain are you that assessments will start in January? Any word on what the incentives could be for getting assessed and certified early? So it's a two-part question. How, how confident are we that the assessments will start in January? Um, 
there's that that old saying it's the DOD you know I kind of joke a little bit about that but until assessments can start there has to be several things you know that take place and one is the assessment guides uh, the assessment guides have started coming out level one is out with level two supposedly coming before the the end of the year once those are out then the next step would have been the scoping guidance which the scoping guidance is out so that's good news the last component is the ability to access the the repository for the assessors to where we're we're going to pull the templates from as well as upload the result that date is still the tbd and the the whole equation because there's some some things that are going to have to be completed on the back end and then once that occurs then folks like us will have to ensure that we have access and we have the proper access to be able to not only pull down those templates but also to upload it so once the assessment's complete you actually get credit for going through it is there anything else that you've heard on on your side greg as far as timelines just from the from the kind of vendor perspective those assessment guides are are critical because once that once that information is available to companies that are following or, or building programs or upgrading their existing programs then at least you know how the assessment will be run against the requirement and you can actually make educated decisions and, and make some progress you know the, the actual assessment is going to be later so so uh, but we would we would advise you to get started as soon as you can as soon as this guidance is available you want to be jumping on it because uh, the timelines are shorter than you think uh, before even during rulemaking you know we expect uh, you know the pressure will be on companies to make progress and understand what their scores are and and you know start working on poem items and you know the sooner that guidance comes out and we can all read it the, the better off I think everyone will be in terms of their timelines yeah because the the guidance it isn't just the assessment portion now that we're talking about it's it's that follow-on that that poem so once you have a poem in place you know, what is going to be the assessment criteria for ensuring that you meet what's identified in the POEM. But the other part, and you know, as Greg, you mentioned, you know, getting started early, I know that the DOD is talking about potential incentives for folks to go ahead and, and get this in place uh, sooner rather than later. Fortunately, though, right now, there's still not any definitive on what those incentives would be. Some of the things that have been talked about was, well, instead of a three-year, maybe a five-year. But honestly, the, those are still in the discussion stages, you know, currently. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, I don't believe that's going to come out until we get all the other items in place. Yeah, I think that's that's about right. I think once the second assessment guide comes out, the dust will start to settle a little bit, and then we'll be a little bit clearer on when the DOD expects us to start the assessment phases. Yeah, that I mean, it's a great segue because um, we did have uh, several questions during the previous webinar on more of the nuts and bolts of it. So how do I do a self-assessment as a vendor or as a customer of the DOD or somewhere in the supply chain? How do I post my SPRS score? Um, you know, where is the information telling me how to do that? Uh, is it online? And, and we've also heard in the new guidance in CMMC 2.0 that a senior officer of my company has to sign off on the SPRS score uh, as opposed to, you know, pretty much whoever was posting it beforehand. Um, now, now it's going to have to be a company official attesting that the score is correct and as, as accurate as, as possible. So, um, 
Yeah, so how would, how would we direct companies that are looking to learn more about SPRS? Well, I can start first, Thomas, I guess. Um, you know, with the change to CMMC 2.0, it really leveled everything back to NIST 800-171 revision 2, right? So if you look at that, that documentation, um, then grab NIST 800-171 alpha. The alpha uh, document is the one that, that talks you through on how to actually do a self-assessment or an assessment in general. Um, it talks about, you know, objective evidence. It talks about looking at the devices for the control settings, all those kinds of things to verify and validate. If you follow those two documents, um, you should be good when you submit your SPRS score. And as Greg said, it's going to have to be a senior leader from the organization that signs off on it. No, you're, you're absolutely correct, Rob. And a couple of points to add to that is, yes, one of the major changes to CMMC 2.0 was that level one assessments are self-attestations now. However, that is not your get out of jail free card. Self-attestations, if one, if I'm not mistaken, have to be uploaded annually uh, when looking at the newly published assessment guide for level right. one. But the, the second part is, and the key to it, is that senior level because now once you're having the senior level sign off on it, nine times, and I can tell you nine times out of ten, that senior person may or may not be aware of all the intricacies, but just like the rest of their of the organization now, they are acknowledging they are responsible for it. So if, if you state you have something in place, you actually don't, and something happens, now that senior level person is the one that's going to be held responsible, not only to DOD, but as, as an IEM you know, used to tell me, Thomas, I don't want to be sitting in front of Congress at 2 a.m. on C-SPAN going, no, sir, I don't remember that security control. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth? All right, so I think that about covers that question. Uh, you know, SPRS is it's simple. You just go through, upload your the the uh, attestation that you've completed, it'll kick out a score to you. Um, typically, at least from my experience, and Thomas, you can jump in, Greg, if you know, if if you're around a forty, right, you got some work to do. If you're above a forty, um, you know. You're doing well, you still got to close that gap because you really want to get up in the, the 90s to 100s there. But anything below 40, if you're down in the 20 scores or in the negative, yeah, you've got a long way to go. No, you're, you're absolutely right, Rob. I, I mean, I remember when we were going through it ourselves and, you know, there was even myself as the one responsible for, for these items for Redspin. You know, I still had a few questions when we were going through it to make sure that, you know, I understood exactly what we were doing because sure enough, when we went through, and granted we went through a, at the time a level three assessment versus what is now a level two, right. it, it was, you know, referenced when we were going through the assessment. So ensure, you know, what you're putting in there is accurate. And speaking of being accurate, you may be asking yourself, where can you find a recording of you know, the CMNC 2.0 impact on small to medium-sized uh, businesses. Well, you're in luck. You can find it right on the redspin.com website. And it'll also be a link to the recordings in the description of this actual podcast. So we're, we're making it easy for you. 
But on top of that, Greg, I'm pretty sure this is going to be on Prevail's website as well. That's right. You can just go to prevail.com slash resources, and there you'll find uh, recording a recording file for this webcast as well as others. So we're, we're trying to make it as easy. We're trying to make sure the information gets out there. It looks like we have time for at least one last question, and I, I want to make sure I get this accurate, so I'm going to read it exactly as what we received from the webinar. So the question states, we have looked at building a secure enclave on GCC High for approximately five virtual desktops. However, the estimated rollout costs from the vendor was around $85,000 to implement this system. Could it be something that we built in-house on separate hardware or virtual hosts for less than the quoted 85,000? Yeah, this is a great question. And it, it really has a lot to say about back to uh, something I mentioned earlier about resources and how, how many resources a company might have to devote to their compliance programs. So the good news is, yeah, no, you don't have to go this route if, if it doesn't fit your business. Um, there are there are business cases where this is you know absolutely the right way to go, but we also know there are alternatives out there. And, and the key concept here is um, secure enclave, which the, the question asker mentions here, which gives me a clue that not every device and not every person in the organization has to handle or process CUI, which is the controlled unclassified information. And so if that's the case, then you can define your program boundary in terms of those devices and those aspects of your program that, that handle, touch, process, store the CUI and not and leave out the parts that don't. And uh, that's going to help you avoid cost. It's going to make your assessment more simple. Uh, if you can um, you know, actually look at it as, as a very clear, you know, segregated part of your business that deals with CUI, then you're going to be able to apply different solutions um, that you're going to have more flexibility. You know, we would encourage you to look at our product as an alternative, for example, because it's it's designed and built to manage, store, and help you process your CUI in a separate on a separate network that doesn't touch your commercial systems at all. So um, we would encourage folks to, you know, understand that there are alternatives out there and and uh, key and look around a little bit. Yeah, so if I can jump in on that one, Greg, you're, you're, I think the big point that you hit it was at the start, your resources, right? So you, you really need to take a, a step back and look at the resources it would take to run your own, um, you know, enclave, if you will. There's maintenance costs, there's cost of personnel that have to uh, upkeep the systems. Uh, monitoring it, all those kinds of things where, you know, over time it could cost the organization more money. So uh, you have to outweigh the cost versus benefit, right? Um, I think for us here at Redspin, it was just a no-brainer to go ahead and we're a small business ourselves. You know, we went ahead and secured that enclave in the cloud because we just did not have the resources to deal with the upkeep of our own enclave. So keep that in mind, okay? Um, I think that pretty much covers a lot of the questions we missed during the uh, webinar, but I do want to thank Greg and his team for, first of all, inviting uh, Thomas and myself to be a part of that. We really enjoyed it. Again, you can find the webinar on both our website and on Prevails. The last thing I'm going to always leave you with is LinkedIn has a lot of chatter going on about CMMC 2.0. Everybody has an opinion and everybody's throwing out all kinds of craziness out there. It's just that. It's opinions. Believe only the stuff that comes from the DOD and the CMMC AB. We do our best here and so does Prevail 
to bring those folks, right? Or at least with us here, I'll start with us at Redspin. We do our best to make sure that everything we portray to you is uh, without bias, without opinion. It's coming straight from the CMMCAB and the DOD. And then Prevail is doing a fantastic job by bringing in all of these important folks onto their webinars. They just recently had uh, the DIBCAC manager, you know, director and a whole bunch of other folks. And they, they are continually doing this, these webinars so that you can get the latest information right straight from the DOD's mouth and that's what you kind of want to pay attention to not so much what's going on on LinkedIn so uh, with that in mind um, I will pass it back to Lauren if there's no other questions Greg thank you again for joining us on Red Spin and we hope you have you back sometime soon great we'd love to do it it's a lot of fun to work with you guys awesome all right Lauren back to you Thanks, Rob, and thank you all for the conversation and for this insight. As Thomas plugged earlier, a link to a recording of the webinar this podcast is following up on is linked in the show notes or description of this episode. Listeners, don't forget to like and subscribe to Cyberspin. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cyberspin.